Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you have ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. I am your host, Patty Porter. My guest hosts, Dina Zametta and Stephen Kotev, along with our guest experts, will share our experiences, raise your awareness, and give you food for thought. We will share with you problem-solving strategies, no matter what your situation is, at work, with neighbors or friends, family, and with partners. Tune in or join in the conversation every Tuesday evening. listeners, and welcome to tonight's program, Why and How to Avoid Political Talk at Work. This program concludes this month's series on workplace conflict. Are you sick of people discussing politics at work or cannot seem to stop talking about the candidates yourself? Politics can be an explosive and it is difficult to predict what issues your colleagues may find to be truly upsetting. What starts as a casual conversation could spiral into an emotional brawl, upsetting people and disrupting working relationships. And even brief comments could offend some coworkers, harming your reputation and setting you up for retribution down the road. Understanding how to manage workplace communication is key to building a resilient career. Often the best strategy is communicate, communicate, and communicate. But when the office conversation is about politics, the smart choice is usually just to stop talking about it. But sometimes it's not easy to deal with people who want to impose their views or tease you into reacting. Tonight's program will explore and offer tips about how you can avoid becoming bogged down in the political chatter at work. Beverly Jones, author of Think Like an Entrepreneur and Act Like a CEO, is a model of career resilience and reinvention. She started out as public radio TV writer, next created and led university programs for women, and then trailblazed her career as a female Washington law firm partner and Fortune 500 energy executive. Throughout her varied work life, she has mentored other professionals to grow and thrive. Since 2002, Beverly has flourished as an executive coach and leadership consultant, helping professionals of all ages to advance their careers, shift directions, and become more productive. Based in the nation's capital, she works with clients to spread across the country, including senior attorneys and accomplished leaders at major federal agencies, Congress, NGOs, universities, and companies of all sizes. Beverly is a popular speaker and facilitator. She creates workshops and other events around the needs of her clients. I am your guest host, Tracy Colbert King, and tonight we invite you to join our conversation and participate by joining the Twitter feed using the hashtag, hashtag Conflict Chat. Welcome to the program, Beverly. Thank you. It's great to be here. And boy, this is a timely topic, isn't it? It is. It is definitely timely with the upcoming debate that's happening on Wednesday. Yes, and I, I think a lot of people are, um, even if they're planning to tune into the debate, they're they're getting to be exhausted by all the conversation and sometimes the conflict that's flowing out of energy. Yes, absolutely. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, Beverly, who is Beverly Jones? 
Well, you talked a little bit about my uh, varied career. I I um, stumbled into institutional change way back when women were first being introduced into leadership and senior roles in universities and became really interested in how people step into leadership and how they can grow their career, even if they're entering a, a field um, that uh, maybe isn't what they started out to do. So I, I worked in that area for a while, mm-hmm. and then I thought, you know, I'm going to try that. So I went off to law school, became a Washington lawyer, did all the things Washington lawyers do from a law firm, government, and eventually I uh, I joined a company. So I, I've had a lot of experience, and all along the way I've just been interested in how do you encourage people to create careers and change direction and and bounce uh-huh. back when the tough times come. And so what I'm doing now is I'm coaching people to do just that. That's wonderful. And that really resonates with me, what you said about how life and careers are more varied than they used to be with the use of technology and the ability to still communicate with your loved ones from faraway places. I feel like mm-hmm. people are taking careers, new careers that make them move from where they've maybe been raised or maybe where they started a family. And so it's really interesting that you've been working with people who are making those shifts and being successful at it. Yeah, and and the moves can be all kinds of moves. It can be geographic. It can be from one organization to another. But what I see a lot of is people changing fields, people finding they're at a dead end and what they were doing isn't so valued in the marketplace, but they find a new ways to, um, new ways to, ch- to use their skills. I, I, I call the book Think uh-huh. Like an Entrepreneur and Act Like a CEO, not because it's a book for entrepreneurs so much as it, it's a book about building career resilience, you know, bouncing back. Uh, by thinking like an entrepreneur wherever you are. You just have opportunities, and, and what we all can do is, is keep noticing them and finding ways to reach out for them. For our listeners who may not be familiar with the term resilience, can you share with us a little bit about what that means? Yes, I and I'm not using it in the psychological sense. Uh, psychologists have a, 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 a use for it, which is a, about how as a person you, you bounce back and, and, and you get through hard times. I'm really talking about career resilience, meaning mm-hmm. that there, if you look around, you can probably think of people you know who no matter what happens on their job path, um, regardless of whether or not they're laid off or um, they're downsized or they get bored and, and whatever it is, they always seem to come back. They're the people who take control and make the shifts when you have to make a shift or um, make little gradual shifts along the way. And with careers being so long now, you know, a lot of people are still working over 70, at, at over age 70. So we're uh-huh. talking about... 50-year careers, and the the people who thrive, and by bouncing back, I don't just mean staying employed. I mean really kind of getting into the next phase. The people who can do that for 50 years are, are people who have some skills and, and, and learn some attitudes and find ways to, to manage themselves so that they can keep um, enjoying their career and, 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 and being successful, even though it might mean changing directions.
I really can appreciate that idea of career career resilience. And for me, it speaks to flexibility, that ability to ebb and flow with your circumstances and also be able to change your circumstances if you need to and be able to adapt so you can continue growing in your career or in a new career. Absolutely. Uh, Before I entitled the book, I was thinking of the title, The Adaptable Professional, but the publisher said nobody would know what that means. But I I really think that that's a characteristic that we need to have. And and I will say that I think I was – probably born a pessimist, lots of lawyers, you know, they can spot things that are going to go wrong, so they write strong contracts, so it can be a good skill set in some ways, but it's it doesn't contribute to resilience to be a pessimist. I was born a pessimist, a warrior, and, and a law abider, and I like stability. I think those are my natural tendencies, and I've had to learn that um, you can do things a different way. You can be open mm-hmm. to change. You can learn to be adaptable. And the, the I think the good news for people starting their career or struggling in their career or trying to think about what to do next is to know that you can learn to be adaptable. You can make choices that allow you to find your way to change. And that's I think that's really good news. And you can choose to be positive. You can choose to be much more optimistic. There's all kinds of research that shows that this characteristic, which is so important for workplace success, being optimistic, is something that you can mm-hmm. develop if you're not born with it. That's actually a perspective that I've never thought about is that ability to develop optimism, which is which if you think about it, if you're mindful in the process of your circumstances, you can learn to become optimistic. Absolutely. But it's a effort that you have to make. It, it's partly noticing the voice in your head. So if you're um, in, a say, a tough situation, a conflict situation at work or whatever, lots of times the worst of it isn't the conflict itself. It's the way you torture yourself with that voice in your head saying they don't appreciate mm-hmm. you, he's an idiot, this is never going to work out, what a terrible day I'm having. And 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 part of building optimism and I think cultivating resilience and getting along better with other people is noticing the voice in your own head and realizing that the real you isn't the person who's making those repetitive comments. It's the person inside you who's listening. And you can answer back to that annoying little voice and say, I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm going to let it go. Um, it's not about me. You know, whatever it is that's useful, you can you can fight back. And so noticing your own reaction and making a choice whether you're going to go with that anxiety or you're going to find ways to let it go is a big part of being optimistic. And it's a big part of being able to roll with the punches when things get tough at work. Thank you so much for bringing that perspective of optimism and career resilience this conversation because that's a learning moment for me and so I hope the listening audience as well is having some aha moments there. I've heard Beverly throughout my career that it's taboo to engage in political conversations in the workplace. Is it really such a bad idea? I think so. Although it's very tempting, particularly when you have a long career in Washington where the politics is all about you. 
I, I think it's a really bad idea because politics is one of those topics or sets of topics that can quickly become emotional and it triggers all kinds of reactions in other people. So a lot of destructive things can happen if you allow yourself to get bogged down in political conversations. One of them is um, you will have conflict because people will disagree with you and you'll start having negative relationships with coworkers with whom you have to collaborate. And I've seen uh, too often people who should be working together, not getting along because they disagree with something that doesn't have anything to do with work. Another thing is even mm-hmm. if you it doesn't uh, turn into conflict, if you're expressing your political views, other people may be listening and not commenting and not fighting with you, but they're remembering and they're maybe thinking you're an idiot because of such and such, because of their own biases. And that judgment about you that's not based on your work, it's based on something that's emotional and apart from anything that's happening at the office, that judgment can come back to haunt you. But another real simple reason not to do it is that it's once you start, it's hard to stop. It's a big distraction. Yeah. It takes a while to refocus. And so it's a huge waste of time. And you're um, wasting your time and you're stealing time from other people if you're participating in it. So I think it's a really smart idea to um, avoid the temptation and to find ways to disengage and to, as much as possible, have a policy to avoid political talk when you're at work. Even if you tend to agree with the people working, it's still uh, it's still a real drain for everybody. So some of the things that you may encounter if you do choose to engage in political conversation is that emotional response, that whatever is said in that conversation comes to mind for you and how you react to the words that have been said. And not only that, there's the judgment and the biases that you start to develop for your fellow coworkers. And that That's can right. impact the relationships that you have with your coworkers. Yeah, and, and that self-awareness we were talking about that can contribute to resilience and can contribute to your your well-being even, to your kind of your healthy attitude as well as your optimistic attitude. And a good way to practice that is in a situation where people are bringing up politics in, a, in an environment like um, the United States is today as we go up to a presidential race it's a good time to practice. So if you're in a workplace situation and um, people start an argument about um, the candidates or um, related issues, notice your own reaction. Just kind of pause and feel, are you feeling kind of an emotional reaction? Do you hear a voice in your head saying, these people are idiots? Or um, is there... Um, someplace in your body that you're feeling tension. So that, that really the first response um, that you kind of experience, is it's easy to not realize how you're getting carried away, but if you can practice noticing that response and then choose whether to go with it or probably the smarter choice to just kind of let that feeling go, that'll be great practice that you can use in the situation of other kind of conflicts and, and difficult situations. 
So so managing your reaction is key, yeah? What I really like about that self-awareness piece, Beverly, is the idea that not only do you need to notice your emotions, but your own reaction. So it could be mm-hmm. nonverbal how you're acting. You could tense up. You could have shortness of breath. So there are a lot of factors going on when you're engaged in these conversations that you may not even be aware of and right. that actually might be projected to your coworkers. And so then That's- they're going to develop their own judgment and biases based on how you you know, you hike your shoulders up to your ears or if you start turning red. And so that's really important to highlight. That's really a, a good point that I was really thinking that you notice your own feelings, but the reality is we project our feelings much more than we realize. And even if it's unconscious, mm-hmm. other people pick it up if we're angry or annoyed or uptight or whatever. And, and you know, the kind of uncomfortableness comes in a group when somebody is starting to react, even if they haven't said a word. You don't want to be the person that's triggering that feeling of discomfort that kind of chills the group. And, and you don't want to be causing um, negative reactions that you're not even aware of. So noticing right. what you're feeling and making choices about how you're going to deal with it, whether it may be time to take a few deep breaths and kind of, you know, just choose to relax a little bit is is a wonderful skill to work on that will serve you well in, in many situations. Are there any examples of phrases that listeners can use in the moment uh, when they've done everything they can to not engage, but uh, now they need to engage to acknowledge that? they feel forced to engage. Are there any phrases to help them with that? Well, I I think um, there are a couple of things to do. One is that there are lots of times that you can just be pretty direct. And I've heard people say this a lot lately, saying, sorry, guys, I've decided I'm not going to talk about politics um, at the office because I get too wrapped up in it. It's too distracting for me, and I've got this deadline. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to talk politics. And it doesn't have to be uh, insulting to other people. It doesn't, you don't have to be a judgmental. You can start by just saying directly, um, I don't like to talk about politics at work. It, um, it's too much of a distraction for me. Or if the work, if the the words become, um, oh, I don't know, uh, pretty heated, you can say, you know mm-hmm. what, this is making me uncomfortable, and I got to refocus, and so I'm going to um, see you later and and leave. Um, you can kind of leave without saying anything. Finding a, a a graceful way to disengage isn't that hard if if you're in a um, a workplace where um, people get along pretty well generally and there's openness. Sometimes it's not so easy, though, because what if it's your boss who's asking it? Or what if it's a situation where you're sitting at dinner with a client? I, I think um, in in those cases, the the thing to do is to be as neutral as possible to kind of disengage yourself so you're not emotionally engaged and and uh-huh. and uh just say oh, 
that's interesting. I, 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 yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but don't, um, don't make judgmental comments yourself. And if you're really forced into it because your boss says, I want to know what you think this means for the company, at that point, then you focus on the facts and you, and you step into a- analytical mode. So there's kind of a hierarchy. You, you start by kind of emotionally disengaging and, you know, kind of back away. But then if forced into a conversation, you say, you know, I'm not going to go there. And then if you have to go there, um, uh, be analytical and very calm and non-judgmental. And that, that works in lots of cases. What I would like to do is just take a moment to remind listeners that they are listening to the Texas Conflict Coach blog talk radio program, and we are chatting with Beverly E. Jones. And tonight's program explores and offers tips on how you can avoid becoming bogged down in political chatter at work. And we've been talking about situations where you have to engage. How do you talk about politics? And so some of the points that you had mentioned, Beverly, was to focus on the facts to let them rant and listen in a neutral way. And uh, also there's the idea of scheduling a future date and time to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that um, is, um, is a good technique for a lot of conversations that have the potential to be heated. Sometimes if you put them off for a little bit or and put them in a more appropriate context, you can kind of take some of the – the tension away from them. Mm-hmm. That's also helpful too, especially if you are an introverted communication style. Sometimes you need to have that time to get your thoughts together and figure out what you want to articulate and then go back to that person you're having that conversation with. Yeah, that that's a really good point. It, it, in my work, I, I deal a lot with communications in the workplace, and and sometimes the conflict is is not so much a matter of substance, although it feels like it. It's a matter of style. People who mm-hmm. are extroverts, and I would put myself in that category. Sometimes we talk before we really know what we mean because we're external mm-hmm. processors. We try out an idea, we explore it, but a lot of people who are more introverted don't talk until they have thought about it, they've reflected upon it, and they can say what they want pretty simply. So you hear an mm-hmm. introvert or an introvert hears an extrovert kind of exploring different ideas and, and kind of thinks that's what the boss wants. The boss is saying all of these crazy things. The boss is just trying out an idea if the boss is the extrovert talking. talking. So, so knowing that people have different styles and not everybody is ready to engage right in the moment. Some people like to mm-hmm. think about it and be prepared, uh, particularly more introverted people. Acknowledging that and, and creating situations where the extrovert is maybe um, thought through things a little more and the introvert is a little more comfortable, that, that can be a very smart way to manage communication by re- reframing them in a different situation. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. In the event that someone might need a third party to intervene, so they've tried all of these facts, they've tried all of these tips, they focused on the facts, they let them rant, they scheduled a future date and time, and let's say the occurrence happens again, what might they need to do 
to get help from a third party? Well, let me break those situations into to two categories, uh, and, and I'll okay. talk about them separately. One of the categories is just people are wasting too much time. It's uncomfortable. It's distracting distraction it's it's undercutting productivity and it's a work problem and i'll get to to that in a second but another one which i think is is really worth noting is um uh, a much more um negative situation and and that is that at some point political commentary can escalate so much that it's not just um um negative talk it can be almost like um a hate crime or hostile workplace what if if people are saying that um candidate so and so is an idiot you can let that go it's not about you but if they say that um a whole class of people are idiots that you know all these women are voting for this class of for this person because they're stupid or something like that when you're making sweeping negative statements about any group of people, the, the members of that group can legitimately be frightened and feel like um, they're yeah. being insulted. So in that kind of situation, um, I, I think that's a moment when you go to HR, you go to the boss, you um, go to a position of authority, uh, or you you know seriously consider at some point um, you, you might be even in a situation where you want to get a lawyer involved if it's really extreme. But that that's a situation worthy of intervention and worthy of, uh, you know, a pretty serious look because you cannot tolerate that kind of hostility. But those cases mm-hmm. are, are not the common ones. I, I think if, if it's a matter of people are wasting time and so forth, then you might go to your supervisor. You might even... Um, collaborate with a few other colleagues and say, look, guys, we're spending too much time on this. Let's kind of talk about it. Let's set up some rules. And so it might not be an authority figure. It might be something you can do collectively. And I, I've seen groups come up with um, rules that uh, we're not going to talk about politics at the office. We can, you know, when we have a beer on Friday, that's when we can talk about it. But but we're not okay. going to spend our energy. And you can make, so you can kind of um Summon up the collective uh, wisdom of the group, and um, and and it's good teams, strong teams, teams that work well together, are pretty good at um, setting up rules of sort of protocol and and work rules, mm-hmm. and, and and this can fit into that category. I like that idea of having some type of guiding document or some ground rules to just let you know what the expectations are on how you're going to interact with one another when it comes to mm-hmm. certain issues that that may be a little murky to have in the workplace. I think that's a really great idea. Yeah, and I, I think that you can have um, communication protocols generally that you can agree to that at the mm-hmm. staff meetings everybody has a chance to um, – um, make a point, and nobody should dominate. And if we're doing a brainstorming session, then no idea is crazy. So in this context, all ideas are welcome, and this is not a time to shoot things down. You can set mm-hmm. communication expectations for different kind of situations, and uh, kind of work it out. And and 
people tend to get along better when the 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 rules and expectations are explicit and they can be shared and they can be negotiated because they are they are explicit if they're not comfortable for everybody. Right. Exactly. And speaking with the higher authority when it comes to interacting with the third party, uh, just mm-hmm. to seek some guidance or some support, how might you approach them with your concerns? Is there a way to kind of start that communication process? Well, it it depends um, a lot, of course, on the kind of organization you work for. Um, in, in huge organizations, there might be um, a human resources person who looks at difficult situations or a, a, a sort of a protected process where you can go and talk to an ombudsperson. And in other situations, um, you, um, it's in a smaller organization, it, it might be your boss. There's no human resources structure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what you want to do, though, um, if you have a trusted colleague, the, a good first step is to try to sort out what it is you want to say uh, and try to be factual about it. And uh, it, it's absolutely legitimate to say, I feel insulted, I feel hurt, and so forth. But you want to say it in, a, in as part of a, of a description this is what happened, this is what's going on, this is why I think it's destructive to work, this is how it's affecting me, so so that you um, present it in a, in a way that what you're, you know, depending on whether it's an attack on you or a, a bigger situation, you can um, describe um, the situation so people can can understand it and help you sort it out. And and so having a pre-discussion with somebody you trust and and kind of taking away any hysteria and 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 really kind of making um a factual statement this happened this happened this happened um can be very helpful. And I think if you're kind of contemplating should you do that, take some notes just uh so that you can kind of look over and say and you can decide it was it really this troublesome? What was it about this? Just kind of prepare yourself. So it's almost having that self-reflection to have the role play, so to speak, with that higher power that may be on mm-hmm. how you've been impacted by the behavior, how you are feeling, and what your concerns and thoughts are. So you can yeah. convey articulately to them Hey, this is really what's been bothering me, and this is how I've been impacted. And I think if um, if you can come up with suggested solution, if you can um, say something like, I understand um, that people are very emotional about these issues, but I think we need to have an understanding that these kind of discussions will be taken outside of the office and only people who want to participate in these kind of discussions um, uh, are going to be invited. Or if if you can make a suggestion, if you can say this might be something 
um, that we want to meet with HR about. If you're talking to your supervisor, it's always helpful when you're going to um, report a problem if you've given some thought to what the next step can be. If you can, because you've had a lot more time to think about it than the person you're taking it to, and mm-hmm. uh, that's why you've worked particularly maybe with your colleague, maybe the two of you are going together. And and so having some idea of um, what can be constructive, you don't want to go in a situation where you go in and you complain and complain and they, uh, um, you know, kind of calm you down, but nobody has any things how to change it. And if you do that a couple of times, then it looks like you're the complainer. You're, you're much better mm-hmm. to go with relative calm and say, this is the issue, and here are some ways that we might address it. Maybe we have a, a, a consultant or coach come in, or you know, go go with some ideas if you can. That's really helpful, and that also brings me to our assignment for the week or the call to action for the listeners. Uh, what would be a assignment or something that they can go out and do now that they've heard about your program? And they I have think, a sense of what to do in the office when politics comes up. I think the, the, the first thing is to notice your reaction, maybe even keep a little set of notes about your reactions, and make some choices on whether you want to express yourself or whether you want to disengage. And use this as an occasion to start noticing how you communicate and the choices that you can make to be more effective and maybe happier in your communication style at work. So That's notice. A really notice and great choose. call to action. Mm-hmm. Is there any contact information that you would like to share with the listening audience so they can also yes. continue their learning? Sure. Um, I have a website. It's being changed today, so it's kind of shifting, but the, the um, site is, um, going to be there. It is clearwaysconsulting.com. That's C L E A R W A Y S Consulting, C O N S U L T I N G.com. And um, mm-hmm. uh, Beverly E. Jones is my Twitter handle. And um, the book title, you know, uh, you can go to Amazon and look up the book and find out a lot about me. The book is Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO. And Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the places that sell books um, will be able to help you track it down and, and get more information. That's great. So listeners can visit your website. That's in a transitional phase, clearwaysconsulting.com. There's your blog site, woub.org. And there's also your book, Think Like an Entrepreneur, Act Like a CEO, and your Twitter handle and where people can get in contact with you through there. I want yeah, to Beverly thank you e. for Jones. coming on. Wonderful. I want to thank you, Beverly, for coming on to this program and sharing with us your insights on how to deal with politics in the workplace, especially in the political climate that we have so close to Election Day. So thank you so much for taking the time and being on the program with us. It's been a pleasure. It's been great chatting with you, and uh, let's just keep watching and not get too upset about it. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, what okay. final message do you? What final message do you want to leave listeners, Beverly? Well, building on the assignment, you can choose 
how you communicate. You can choose how you feel about communications, and you can choose how optimistic you're going to be about it all. It just takes some work. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can find all of our podcasts archived to listen at your convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also become a Facebook fan of Conflict Connections or Twitter me at TX Conflict Coach.